I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are an ostrich. Well, your head must be in the sand. Is your head in the sand? flexible enough to get your head in the sand. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Paper Talk Extra podcast. My name is Stephen Barry, and after much correspondence to the Irish Examiner Towers, I'm back in the presenter's chair by popular demand. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. We'll be joined by the Irish Examiner's soccer correspondent, Liam Mackey, because we're here to celebrate the start of the football season in Ireland. So for the next half hour or so, I'll be tiptoeing around the subject of Arsenal Football Club in the presence of Martin Claffey. I will be coaxing Peter McNamara down from the high of Spurs sensational comeback from the ultimate Spursy start to win a heroic Champions League draw. Say hello, guys. How are we doing? Hi, Stephen. Uh, Peter, you're pretty happy with life right now? It can go south very quickly, so I never, I never tend to throw any cheap digs around like that because it can come back and bite you. Look, I think today was only a draw. I think Liverpool got the best result in Europe during the week. It's a safe space. We won't mention the war around here now. You're safe here with us. <laughs> Stay away from Arsenal for, for the day or two. <laughs> uh, the tragic news which transcended British and Irish football this week was the dead of former Cork City, Celtic, Manchester United and Ireland footballer Lee Miller. Last Tuesday would have been his 37th birthday. A piece which was quoted widely across the Irish and British papers following his death was an Irish examiner big interview Miller did in February 2015. In that piece, Miller said of his football career, I generally look back and think, I played for Celtic, my boyhood club. I dreamed of playing for Man United and I got that opportunity as well. I don't know how many other people can say that they played for the two childhood clubs or even one childhood club. Of course, I would have loved to play more games, don't get me wrong, but I got to learn from some of the best players ever. Looking back, it was wonderful. We're joined by Liam Mackey, who spoke to Miller for that piece. Liam, what were your first memories of Liam Miller that came to your head when you heard the terrible news? You know, like, like everybody else, uh, I was devastated by the news of, of uh, Liam's passing, and I, I knew he had been unwell. Um, but that piece that you just quoted from there, uh, I sat down with him just just three years ago this month uh, to do that piece. He'd just come back from Cork City. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was a guy who was, as well as looking back on his career with justifiable satisfaction, he was looking forward the fact of playing, as he said, in front of his family and friends back in his home city, um, to be taken at the age of 37, and indeed the League of Ireland launch this week was on, on the day that would have been his 37th birthday, and, and the, the launch in the Viva Stadium is marked by a minute's silence. It, it's just hugely devastating for everyone and you, and, and a terrible shock and sadness to people in football, but look, obviously most of all, to, to his wife and his young, his young children, I mean, their losses must be incalculable, and the only thing I can think of in, in terms of consolation for those those children as they, they get older uh, is that they'll be able to look back not just on a career which is, you know, there in all those great highlight reels that we were familiar with from the days at, at Man U and at Celtic and that amazing goal he scored against Sweden 
around the Lansdowne Road, but it'll be there in all the tributes of this week and, and in coming weeks and in the memories of him. I think that's, uh, I can't pretend that I knew the guy. I certainly enjoyed his company for that hour when I sat down to do that interview with him. And Liam was not a guy who, who uh, was fond of, of doing media duties, not, not because he was difficult, but I just think he was kind of humble sort of character. I mean, one of those fellows who prefer to let his feet do the talking, but, but certainly, um, I found him very affable company uh, on the day. That quote you mentioned about when he looked back in his career, some some people have, have looked at Liam's career and thought, well, did he quite fulfil the promise? And um, I think his point, and it, and it was well made, was to play for two boyhood clubs, Celtic and, and, and Man United. And then as I was talking to him to be coming back and playing in Cork City and he's from Ballon College, you know, it was a life well lived and a career fulfilled in so many other ways. And uh, like everyone else, I can only send my, my thoughts and condolences to his family and friends. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Martin, I suppose we remember Miller's time with uh, City. What were your memories of Miller when you heard the news? Yeah, it was, it was, I think it was devastating for anybody, anybody who has a love for football and for, a love for Irish football. Um, but realistically, I think um, the thing about uh, Liam Miller's career, it, it's almost secondary to, to the loss the, the, mm. the, to his family. I mean, mm. which we, we, we can't, we can't, uh, as Liam said, is incalculable. But uh, his, his the talk about him on the pitch, um, I think most people will still flash back to the the, the, the spark at Celtic when he when he, his, he when he arrived on the stage there, and I. I think um, I remember watching the Champions League those nights, and it was it was incredible, and it was exciting for uh, as a as a as a Cork man and as an Irishman to to watch that. And um, I think while well, it was great to see him come back to play with uh, City and to be playing with Manchester United and uh, playing around the world, I think it was more just the fact that that Liam Miller like lived his life to the full away from the pitch as well, and he had a wonderful family by all accounts, and as we can see and. And it, it's 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 very sad, and it's it's just taken far too. He's often been taken far too soon, and, and that's the saddest part of all. And Peter really came across in the tributes to him. I mean, teammates and people who knew him, family, they all said an, an unassuming, humble lad, a genuinely nice guy, an absolute gentleman. So that side of him really came across. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, look, the only way you can really judge a person is on whether they're whether they're a good person or not regardless of what kind of skill they have in a football field and it's funny that the amount of people that have come out and said all the same thing about him even Rio Ferdinand headed in Ireland in the derby was talking to Jake Humphreys on BT Sport and he said you know you couldn't get over how nice of a person he really was like he said he was a really quiet guy I didn't know him personally but um, when you hear so many positive things about someone it's really nice like that It's it's Martin is 100% right I know that He's a big loss to the Irish football scene as a whole and I would assume that he potentially could have offered a lot of coaching experience down the road to younger guys coming up but to his family it's an incredible loss and it's terrible really. Like There are no words to put into perspective. Like, I'm 31 years of age, it kind of really puts life into perspective when you see a guy who's only a couple of years older than you that has unfortunately passed on so condolences to everyone associated with his family primarily. You know. Mm. And we all echo that sentiment, all our condolences go to the Miller family, as of all the football family. Um, I suppose moving on and looking at entering into the League of Ireland season this year, Liam, I suppose whether we like or don't like the 10-team league, 
what effect do you see it having on how the season plays out? Stephen O'Donnell uh, mentioning Waterford as potentially big contenders, and we know they've they're just come up, but they've some strong signings in, like Sebastian Heary from Limerick, Ishmael Akinade from Bowes. They've got some experience in with Dave Webster and Gavin Houlihan. Um, do you see them potentially breaking into maybe the European places or breaking up that Cork Dundalk stranglehold on the league? I I I, I certainly see see them uh, pushing towards the top of the table. Um, like it, it, it's, it's you know normally it's it's a massive leap uh, to go from from first division winners up into the Premier uh, League is a, is a huge leap. But there's every sign that, that Waterford uh, are going about it with, with precisely the intention of thriving rather than than just surviving. Um, and so I do I do see them having a very good season. I personally think it will be asking too much to see them. 
couple of winners. Um, I do think that will still more than likely come from Cork and Dundalk, and at the moment I'd, I'd be favouring Cork very heavily. Uh, but as I said already, I think Waterford will go in there certainly not to make up the numbers, and and their arrival is a really good thing. Uh, you know, sadly, I'm old enough <laughs> to remember uh, the days of Alfie Hale and Johnny Matthews mm-hmm. and Peter Thomas and and huge crowd at Kilcoyne Park and mm-hmm. and Waterford have been missed out of the top flight for a number of years. In a good stadium there. Uh, you mentioned some of the players they've added to the squad. Uh, this season and it was a squad that you know looked look strong in the first division last year and again Stephen, Stephen O'Donnell said to me they were a Premier Division team in disguise which is a nice way to put it but they also have Alan Reynolds really good manager and, and Pat Fennel there as director of football it's a good team seems to be a good set up behind the scenes so I, I hope for Irish football's sake they have a good season but to answer your question I don't honestly see them as title winners uh, that might be another season maybe more away for them and I would currently be, be seeing Cork and Dundalk making the running but not leaving the pack way behind I don't think it'll be that kind of two horse race but I think it'll be between those top two come come um, the end of the season and I, I kind of fancy Cork to do it again I must be honest hmm. And you're based up in Dublin do you think any of the Dublin clubs can have a say like the likes of Shamrock Rovers, Bowes can they break in there? exceptionally well last season Keith Long deserves an enormous amount of praise for very small budgets uh, had to rely on under 19 players to some extent to bolster his squad now one thing I'd say about Bose is they seem to be going in the right direction I think it's a longer term project with Bose um, you know the redevelopment of Daily Mount if and when that finally comes to pass would be a really positive thing their under-19 uh, under side won the Irish title. They'll be in the, the Youth Champions League uh, this year. Uh, Gwen Lawler, their coach, did a fantastic job. Keith's done a great job with the senior team. Uh, they've lost a couple of big players. They've, they've brought in a couple who will, will certainly add a bit of experience. I don't see them challenging for the title, but I certainly see them more than holding their own. And the fascinating thing from a Dublin perspective is that the opening night is going to tell a story in itself uh, mm-hmm. because obviously you've got those against Rovers in the, in the big derby uh, and for Rovers he, again they, they're a club I, I, you know I think the success they had under uh, Michael O'Neill the run in Europe it, it, it certainly financially helped the club and I also think in a way it sort of bought them time um, and it certainly in a way had bought Stephen Bradley time I think mm-hmm. the fans at Rovers who traditionally would be accustomed to success, historically speaking, and not prepared to settle for less. I think in, in, in Stephen Bradley, they saw a young manager, an ambitious manager, a manager with good ideas about how the game should be played, and have been prepared to give him time. But I think this is a season where they'll think, okay, show us some trophies now. I don't think they're going to win the title, uh, though I do think they've, they've um, I think, for example, Greg Bulger. Uh, going to Rovers is a really, really good move. Uh, just, just uh, a sort of class act who, who helped dictate tempo games for them and really composure. They already have possibly the brightest young player in the league and Trevor Clark in their ranks. They've good players around that team, Brandon Miller's another. Um, whether they, they can gel enough to, to do it this time, I'm not so sure. As I say, tomorrow night's going to be fascinating because that's a real test for, for Bradley and 
and for Rovers. I mean, if they don't start off with a convincing performance and ideally a win at Daily Mount, it sort of brings the pressure on them straight away, which they, which they could do without, you know. But um, but look, I think they'll have a decent season. I think think Bowles will more than hold their own. The other interesting one from the Dublin perspective is, is obviously Pat, who mm. I think everybody surprised last season. Uh, was flirting dangerously with with relegation. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one thing I'd have to say is I'm really pleased that Pat's kept safe with Liam Buckley. Um, I think he's been one of the most enlightened managers in the league over the last number of years, uh, and I'm glad to see he's still at the helm despite despite the problems they had last season. And I think he's made some good moves in, in, in the, the close season. And perhaps probably the biggest problem last year was that they were just leaking goals like a save. Uh, and they really needed to shore that up. And uh, I think Tonger uh, coming in is a, is a real coup for them. Uh, and Simon Madden uh, at right back. Mm. He's, he's been, you know, arguably the best attacking right back in the league for the last couple of seasons. So I think as well as giving them that kind of forward momentum, it'd be another factor in, in hopefully, for, from Pat's point of view, helping to tighten up that, that defence and just, just make them more solid than they were last year. They badly need that. Mm. Christoph Lee, I suppose Martin, just following on from that talk about teams trying to break up that, I suppose, nearly historic Dundalk, Cork City dominance, is there anyone you see breaking in there that can get into the European place and maybe challenge their their rivalry? Um, I, I think Liam, Liam's right that uh, Waterford are going to be a, a team to watch this year. They, maybe it's, it's too early to be challenging for the league, but they've probably made some very astute signings. Bastian area, I think, has a, a been a, a very, very shrewd signing. Um, and, the, and the fact that they actually have existing, they have um, Kenny Brown, who was such a star for Cork City when he was there, um, when they when they rested him from Turners Cross uh, last year, that was uh, mm. a bit of a sore point for City. So um, I think the spine is there with Akinade as well. Uh, the spine of a, a really solid team is there, so they'll be a team to watch. Sligo might be interesting. They made some interesting signings as well. So I mean, um, this uh, kid Morgan they brought in who played mm. with Liverpool will be uh, I'm sure to be watched. Um, and um, I think as well that um, maybe Bohemians, as, as Liam said, um, are following a very, very solid path. But they brought in some good players as well, so they'll be they, they'll be like the, the opening night is going to be very interesting to see how they're going against Pats or sorry against Rovers, and Rovers. The um, Stephen Bradley, maybe like, he really has to um, come up with the goods very early this year and. Again, I, I know we, we've spoken about that, but I, th- I think Liam Buckley had probably earned the right to to, to flirt with relegation and to a, a poor season with with Pats, considering what he's done there. I think Stephen Bradley, the pressure is on because while he's a, a, a young coach and a very ambitious young coach who, who has good ideas, if he doesn't come up with the goods early, I, I, I think the... Um, that he'll be, he's, he's, he'll be under serious pressure. Mm. I'll be a cracking start to the season with that Dublin derby. I know we'll get plenty of a chance to see Bowes. They're the most televised team in the early days of the season. They've four of their six games on TV. They're sold out for that game at Daily Mount. But I suppose a team we haven't even mentioned, Pete, is Derry City, who um, were fourth last year. They've, they've brought in some interesting names. Kenny Shields is doing a good job, but they've had some of their top players picked off the likes of Barry McNamee, Aaron Barry to Cork, Dean Jarvis to Dundalk. 
Um, do you see them getting up there? Is there anyone else you see? Um, what I think is going to impact a bit on Derry, uh, certainly I think the, the big thing when you're starting out in the Premier Division in the league and you're trying to challenge is you need momentum. And I think the fact that they're going to play the first three or four games on the road is not going to help them. They have an opener away to Waterford, which could potentially be a very, very difficult game for them. It's a big trip as well. Um, there's a lot of positives going on uh, at, at Derry. I mean, obviously the rejuvenation of the renovation of the the, the ground is, it looks fantastic it could be a really good real positive move but in terms of on the pitch I think the particularly the loss of McNamee is a big one I mean the fact the fact that he wasn't willing to stay around to see how they were going to go this season suggests to me that maybe he doesn't see them as ready to, mm. to really really challenge now in saying that given what had happened last season and the tragedy that came upon them they actually did really, really well. I would think in the circumstances to to produce the type of season that they did. Mm. Shields has done a remarkable job, even getting those boys back in the pitch. I think it was Braves their first game back at the time after after what had happened, and just to get them back so soon after that, a lot of mental fortitude there. And you know, you'd like to see Derry do well, especially in the circumstances. But I think it'll be just tricky for them. Like we've seen. Uh, how a team if they're on the road for the first few matches I think West Ham were away for the first couple of games in the Premier League and it didn't exactly help them I think Liverpool had a shaky enough start when they were away from Anfield for a first. so it is tough and uh, that's the key for them and their first game is a very very tricky one away to Waterford I suppose looking at the top two from the past four seasons now Martin I think Cork City have finally gone and done it but they didn't close it out very impressively last year I know I was looking up the form table for the final round of games, the final 11 games last season after losing Shawnee Maguire and City were 8th. So in my hypothetical league, they beat Bray on the final day of the season to avoid relegation. But as was being serious, the point is the form at the end of the season wasn't that impressive. Can they, I suppose, kick on again now? Yeah, I think um, I think John Caulfield um, has actually addressed this very early as well. I, th- I, th- I think he realises... And he's on the record as saying that the, they won't get away with the, the lack of goals and, and the, the the poor form in the last third of the season. Now, they've they've they were very quick once once the league and the cup were over to to bring in the new the, the new faces. Uh, Barry McNamee seems to be a, a very very cute signing uh, mm. by Cork, but uh, Graham Cummins an, an old favourite. He's also he's he's young enough to to still make a big impact here uh, back in Turners Cross, um, and I think goals. I mean, it, it's cliches, but goals goals would be the key, and they they'd be so happy with uh, last weekend uh, the Presidents Cup final four goals and four goals coming from four different uh, areas as well. That that that'll be the the, the key. While it was great when uh, Shawnee Maguire was here uh, in in Cork. Um, they were they were reliant on Shawnee and, and once he left the, there was it was a big gap there. Um, the goals they appear to have goals from different areas now and they 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 they're strong. You could argue they've a, a position a second player for every position on, position on the pitch. So they're going to be very hard to dislodge them. Uh, I know Dundalk have made um, decent signings as well, and Dundalk uh, are looking at Sam Byrne who could if 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 they manage to pull off that signing. Uh, he he will provide goals, but they've they've lost a lot of goals. They've lost a lot of creativity. They lost goals in Macmillan, and they lost goals in uh, and creativity in, in McElhenney. So it's it's a big ask for Dundalk to uh, to pull back City this year. Hmm. 
I suppose just looking at Graham Cummins coming in, Pete, I know like there's a big, I suppose, shadow almost there still from the goal of the game, shape of Shawnee Maguire up front and like Cummins, I suppose he and even in his time with City, which we all remember the league the first division winning goal in twenty eleven, but he never played in the Premier Division with City, so is it a bit I suppose there's a little bit unknown there as well. It, it may be a case of having to share out the goals. Possibly. I wouldn't exactly say it's an unknown in the sense that he has been around the club in the past and been around the league as a whole. Look, you're right, albeit at a lower level. But look, he's played a high level of football in Scotland. He's coming back home, which is a big thing. It's not like he's a guy coming from, we say, Galway or Sligo. Mm. So it should be kind of seamless enough in that regard. But just to, just to kind of further on the point of what Martin was saying about the lads in, in Dundalk, to lose McElhenney and Dave McMillan, they got 26 goals in the league between them last year, 16 and 10, respectively. That's a massive chunk. And so they've brought in, um, Pat Hoban's gone back there. It's a lot of weight on his shoulders to expect him to, kind of, even if he got 15 goals, it's still a, there's a lot involved there. So I think both teams are ironically in the same position in terms of the final third, relying on a, a guy coming into the team, expecting him to hit the ground running to get the goals. Like that, That's a lot to make up. Um, I think Shawnee McGoy got 22 goals in that region in the, in the league. Mm. I think it could be corrected on that, mm. but I think it was 22 goals. Um, that's, that, that's a lot of goals from one guy in 26 in that case. So I think both Cork City and Dundalk, who are joint favourites for the league, are in a similar situation. But you make a good point about Cummins in the sense that it will be interesting to see how he gets on. But I don't think it'll be too much of an issue, especially given the fact that you've likes um, of Sadler in the background. And a big thing for me is the fact that Carl Shepard has resigned. I mean, he has also moved. And now. to Dundalk. Yeah, exactly. And he's also moving out to the city, living five, ten minutes away from the training ground, which is a big thing and making life easier for him. Because I think he was quoted as saying there in um, a supplement uh, in the papers this week that his back was giving him a little bit of bother driving up and down from Dublin. So that was a bit of an issue. So it's a big thing for him now to be in the city. I think he's connected with the club as well. And, and the fact that he decided against going to Dundalk in the end which I think was because it became public before the FA Cup, FA Cup final which I think from his own point of view didn't go down too well I think uh, in my opinion he's probably the biggest addition also City bringing in Danny Kane from Huddersfield Town and the Republic of Ireland under 21 international that's a positive because they could do a fresher legs at the back that's one thing I would say is they've got experienced guys at the back but no harm bringing a guy in there like you know just, just to freshen them up again I think, I think they're in a good nick City you mentioned actually that they're joint favourites this year with Dundalk. Yeah. I know John Caulfield would have said it before, maybe during last year, they felt they maybe weren't getting the credit they deserved at times. Yeah. Will they take that to heart that they're, they've won the league, they've done the double, but they're still joint favourites with Dundalk? Um, I think John is very good at um, getting a siege mentality uh, at Turner's Cross, um, and he's, he's, he's such a passionate manager, he's so passionate about the club. Um, he was as a player, and he's, he's the same as a manager. He's he 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 will already um, they they'll have forgotten about the the double. That'll all be put away. That's that's last season, and he'll be making sure that like this season they're starting from starting from zero, and it it it'll, it'll be all one game at a time. It's it's old mantra, but it's, it worked from last year. Mm-hmm. And if you look at John as well. He was he uh, he when they were second to Dundalk in the league uh, in 2015. He broke up that squad, built again because he wasn't happy with it, 
this time he hasn't broken up the squad, but he has made wholesale um, additions. Uh, and I think that that will be crucial. And I think that will actually be the winning of the league, actually. Hmm. Pete, do you think City have had a stronger transfer window? And I suppose that President's Cup win, does that give them momentum very early in the season? Yeah, I, I suppose certainly in the way they won it. The fact that they were 2 0 down and came back to win 4 2 was that's impressive going. I'd say Dundalk were fairly shell shocked despite the fact that it was a President's Cup game in the dressing room afterwards. But I think the key thing here is they're playing each other on March the 9th, Friday, March the 9th, in order of the park. And that game, assuming that City get the points against Pats, which is no gimme, I'll get to them in a second, because it's actually a bit to say on them, Waterford and Rovers, Cycle Rovers. They're then playing against Bowes, and the, the, the game against Dundalk on March night is a massive match. Because as we've seen in the past, the first game between the teams in the division seems to set the tone for the whole season. Like Now they're playing four times against each other in the division this year, and I think it, I think City now are unbeaten against Dundalk in the last seven matches. So psychologically, they are definitely head in the head, head, in the head, head. But going to Oriel on March night, I think Stephen Kenny will have Aramak that match as a game absolutely must win just to break that kind of so-called hoodoo, so to speak, that they, that City seemed to have over Dundalk recently. So that's a key fixture for me. Um, just But just on the first game for City, that is a very hard match against Pats. Pats brought Buckley in Kevin Toner. Quite well. Toner, and as well as that, I find it kind of strange that Rovers let Simon Madden go, and as well as that James Duna, who two guys a lot of potential, and th- it's it's not easy to go to Inchicore and get a result. And if City did that, there'd be a fantastic result from their point of view. But I wouldn't be surprised if Pats r- rearing for road caught City on, on Friday night. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think Peter's making a good point there. And, and Pats, of course, of Christy Fagan as well, who's one of the most mm-hmm. deadly marksmen in the League of Ireland. Um, and Pats, towards the end of last season as well, they did a job in Cork City when they needed it as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean... Um, yeah, it wouldn't be the biggest shot going uh, if, if City were to trip up and and and, and no, no doubt Pats as well are, would be eager to kick off their season by beating the champions. Uh, that's another thing that uh, the the word around Turners Cross this week that everyone they're aware that everybody is there to shoot them down at the moment, and that's that's going to be the case on Friday night as well. And are, are they aware, Martin, or that, that they're I suppose shooting for history in the sense that they've never defended the title? The last Cork club to do it was in 1951. Back when Mayo were winning all Irelands, was that <laughs> yeah. sense around there? Uh, I think actually it probably is in the back of the mind. Alan Bennett was uh, on media duties this week in uh, Cork, and he brought up that uh, that very that very figure, the, the more than sixty year wait. Uh, now Alan is uh, a little bit off sixty years, so even he won't remember <laughs> the, if how long ago that was. But um, yeah, I think Cork are aware that they're making history. They've been making history um, in, in the last couple of years and they'll they be aware that they can make further history. Um, and, and, and again, John Caulfield will be striving and pushing this team further and further, I think. I think um, Peter was making a good point as well there about uh, Danny Kane, about um, young, young legs coming into to, to the defence of Turners Cross. He's also brought in uh, Toby Adebayo Rowling from Sligo, who's an extremely quick player who can play in defence or midfield. And fo- same with Danny Kane, following a pattern of um, of astute Caulfield signings where maybe players who might be maybe signed as such as a defender but might end up playing midfield. Or, mm. I mean, we saw we saw Kyohan uh, playing last year mm. uh, almost as a false nine at one stage, playing as a full-back. The only position he didn't play was goalkeeper. 
uh, Conor McCormack started last season as a centre half, mm-hmm. an emergency centre half in the President's Cup against Dundalk, and he also played all over the pitch. So I think you'll see uh, a lot of movement, uh, a lot of switching of positions, and I think naturally with all these uh, new names coming in as well, it'll be a while before we actually see what is the settled, uh, or, or what is it close to being a, a settled city, 11. Mm-hmm. That's not a settled team, Pete, but it's a settled squad. But when you look at Dundalk, is there a little bit of, I suppose, flux there in terms of even, firstly, they have new owners coming in, they're following this Rosenberg model, but Stephen Kenny is still active in the transfer market right up to the start of the season. I know they've brought in Pat Hogan, obviously, Rona Murray has come in from Galloway up front to replace, to try and replace anyway, McMillan and McElhenney. And there's some interesting recruits in terms of a Lithuanian international, Karolis Shved Dukas, if I got that right, and former Liverpool midfielder Christian Adorjan. Do you think they're, they, do, they, do they have a bit of an unsettled look about him coming into this title challenge? Well, I... I wouldn't say they've been unsettled. Look, to be fair, you could nearly argue that Coxley are unsettled in the sense that they brought so many guys in mm. that Martin's on the ball there. But I think I think John Caulfield did that for the fact of making sure things were fresh and dynamic and no one was getting complacent. Also, I'd say he did it because he didn't want the opposition to think Coxley were getting predictable. Certainly that would be the case then as well. I would imagine that Stephen Kenny wants to mix things up in that regard. But uh, they do on paper, in my opinion, seem slightly weaker than they were at this stage going into last season. Now, it was probably easier to say that, easy to say that, given that they're going in as the runners up in the, uh, rather than the. But certainly the names on, on paper don't scream out at you the way that some of the, the signs that Caulfield has made. That's not to say that they won't go on and win the league, because they obviously could, and there's still time to do, do a bit of um, work in the transfer window. But certainly, I think, I think one of their greatest assets, without a shadow of a doubt, is Kenny himself. Because I think he's a wonderful man, he's a brilliant tactician, he's a clearly a great motivator. And there also is that bite between the two clubs, they openly admit both groups of players just don't like each other. So it makes for a fascinating duel. It's actually in terms of Irish sporting duels in the last three or four or five years, it's probably been the most fascinating. And I hope that um, there are numbers reflected on that in the gates around the country, certainly when they play each other. Like The, the crowds are incredible. I mean, I, I, I personally, I was at the... There's nearly all the home Cork City matches, obviously, last year, but mm. particularly the one that stands out a mile to me was the first game of the three in a sunny Saturday afternoon at three o'clock kickoff. It was an incredible atmosphere, the atmosphere was red hot. So it's fascinating stuff. It's, it really is. The City Dundalk thing is an incredible, incredible story in, in, in itself. And I'd say maybe in, in years to come, someone will actually write a story with getting the players together. It's that kind of a jewel in Irish soccer, you know? Mm. I suppose. If we look at the other end of the league, we've talked about the 10 teams has maybe raised the standard, but someone has to go down at the other end. And I know we've had, in our intro to the podcast, you have Eamon Cregan talking at the start of the show about raging at the media, specifically the examiner, writing, <laughs> writing off teams. So to continue in that tradition, I suppose, of paper talk, Martin, who would you write off this year? Who's going to struggle with relegation? Um, I don't know about writing them off, but I think... Um I think Bray and Limerick are in for long seasons. Mm. Um, I think there's been a lot of uh, both teams, both both uh, clubs, uh, as a, not just teams, are unsettled. Um, uh, Bray, Bray, Bray had such a great start last year, and it all went pear-shaped. Um, things have changed there. There's been a lot of outs. 
Um, some players, some big players have stayed on there as well, but it could be long season and Limerick. Um, the the momentum which kind of um, they can they come up with, it seems to have um, have have faded, and they've lost the uh, lost Chidozi who, who who did come into his own and and was a, a top player for them uh, at the end of the season. They've also lost Bastianeri, mm-hmm. uh, as we were saying. So I think um, Limerick Limerick could could have a, could have a struggle this season. Um, I think I think. Uh, I think Pats Pats will be um, won't have the same danger. We won't be looking at them on, on the last day. But the 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 one thing about the um, the uh, ten team league, it'll definitely bring a, a, a much bigger element of fairness to proceedings. I mean, just two home, two away. It's it's just logical. The when you were playing two away one year and two home the next year, it, it was it just it, like it, it was an unfair advantage. And if you were to to look at the 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 last couple of years, the winners. It, it usually came between the top two it was the ones who were playing the, the twice at home were the ones that mm-hmm. would actually end up winning the league but um, so and Pete looking at the strugglers I mean Limerick they even lost their manager in the pre-season so and their the owner is looking to sell the club so mm-hmm. it's a real tumultuous time for them yeah and it's funny because when the Marcus Field was being redone and reopened and there was a lot of there was a feel good factor around Limerick and that was good to see from a Munster soccer point of view and I, mean, I, I, I felt though that bringing in Neil MacDonald was not the best move for him because this is a guy that's coming in from across the water has no real background in the League of Ireland and it, it's maybe granted that when you're a team that's really in the cusp of something and you only have to push him over the edge to get him but not when you're trying to redevelop a club really you know you need a guy with um, League of Ireland brains and I, I I just don't. I just felt that was a, that was never a good fit. So I'm not going to surprise that he's left. To be honest, I suppose to wrap up, we talk about predictions. Can I get some off each? Someone to go down, a champion and a player of the year contender. Well, the player of the year for me it will be Conor McCormick because how he didn't get it last season defies logic. If, if he's just as, if he's even ninety percent as good as he was last season, mm. he'll surely get the award as captain of Cork City. He was. I cannot understand how he was overlooked for that award. Personally, I thought I thought it was a shoe in for it last season. Um, in terms of relegation, Martin's on the ball. Limerick and Brayer are joint favourites to get relegated. It'd be one of the two of them. You know, it, that's the reality of it. The circumstances surrounding their off field situations are not helping what's going on on the pitch um, so it'll, it'll probably be one of them I think City should win the league but it's funny like momentum to me is such a massive thing and the fact that Dundalk was a very winnable fixture against Bray in the opening night like, they should win that and the fact that Cork City was sticky when away to Pats coupled with the fact that Dundalk were home in the first game again after that four game sequence might make it interesting but maybe Cork should get over the line Martin, your thoughts? Um, I think Cork City will win the league. Um, I, I just think that they, they've they've made such good signings, and I think if if they can if they can get to the break um, at the top at the top or near the top, I think that they they they'll have the squad that'll actually get them through the break um, and to come out the other side actually to to, to win the league. Um, I think I mentioned Bray and Limerick. I think maybe brave or however they manage it they, they, they just keep getting out of trouble when they need to so maybe they will again this time Limerick mightn't have a, have such luck um, um, so I think Limerick might be the ones to suffer there I think it, 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 maybe we could be looking at a, a very similar to last year um, Cork winning league 
Dundalk pushing them all the way and, and Rovers maybe in third um, Waterford maybe battling Rovers for the, for the, for the European spot um, but, but just a point we haven't actually touched on but it's um, it, it, at the launch this week uh, we saw that the, the prize money for the League of Ireland hasn't changed it's after mm-hmm. staying at €110,000 uh, which is disappointing um, which means that clubs, uh, I mean, aren't really being rewarded as they should be for winning the league, and uh, that that is a, a frustrating, I would think, for for clubs who are doing such good things on the pitch, um, and the clubs which are being being run on such kind of community basis at this stage, you know, and they're not getting the the rewards that they should. Mm. Dude, that's a great point, and Martin makes. I mean, to think that the. Um Chief of the FAI earns more money than the team that wins the league in the Premier Division to me is an absolute fallacy, absolutely disgraceful in my opinion. And I think League of Ireland supporters around the country would surely agree with that. But even besides that, even besides that uh, differential, just the fact that I think if you get into Europe in the earliest round of the Europa League or something like that, you get €250,000 or something like that. It could be a moment of correction, I would think that's that. And to think that that just, we just see, even if that figure was close to it, even the fact that it's nearly. 140,000 euros more than if you win the league and you might only finish third in the in the Irish league it's just incredible really mm. um, as well as that but what, in the FA's defence then they are putting money into they have put money aside for they try to develop the clubs at the underage levels I mean it looks like the likes of Bowes are obviously making progress in that regard they won the under 19 league they finished runners up in the under 17 league so there is progress there for some clubs and hopefully it'll help the clubs in 5-10 years time but certainly Martin is 100% right that there should be a, a much greater carrot for succeeding in the division. Hmm. I could probably do a whole other podcast on uh, the structures of the league, but uh, we'll have to leave it there. We're all looking forward to the start of the season, so roll on Friday night. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 